0: This is Dr. Daniel Fine, Assistant Professor of Medicine at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine, speaking for the Early Career Professionals Working Group of the American Thoracic Society's Critical Care Assembly podcast. Today, we're going to have a discussion about the art of mentoring. Today, I'll be talking to Dr. Terry Huff. When the Early Career Professionals Working Group of the Critical Care Assembly were brainstorming about who to speak to about mentoring, Terry's name immediately came up. Dr. Huff is an associate professor of medicine at the University of Washington and serves as the director of the Medical Intensive Care Unit at Harborview Medical Center. She has published extensively on the subjects of acute lung injury and improving the long term outcomes of survivors of critical illness. I am thrilled to be able to speak to Terry today regarding her experience and advice on mentorship. Okay, Terry, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, first, I want to to ask if you can tell me a little bit about your job and uh, wh- what you do on a daily basis and how that fits into your life as a whole.
1: Uh, sure. So as you uh, as you noted, um, I work clinically here at Harborview Medical Center, which is the county hospital that's part of University of Washington. Um, and I am uh, an associate professor here and attending physician on three different services. I work in the medical ICU, the trauma ICU, and on the palliative care service. Uh, but since I'm a physician scientist uh, with majority research funding, my clinical footprint's pretty small. I do somewhere between 10 and 12 weeks total on, on those different services. Uh, I also spend some administrative time in the MICU and uh, is in my directorship role and then running a couple of other uh, programs here, such as directing the, the early mobility program and being really active in, in the ICU research sort of infrastructure. Um, but most of my time, I do spend doing research. I'm the principal investigator of the Pacific Northwest Center for the Pedal Network, which is kind of the the scion, if you will, of the ARDS network, so we do ARDS and, and critical care clinical trials. I'm PI in a couple other R01s and then a collaborator in a bunch of observational studies and a few interventional studies as well. And, and so that's really where I spend most of my time uh, and where I do most of my mentorship. How this integrates into my life as a whole, well I kind of... Got my job first, and my life second. I think, uh, mm-hmm. but but fortunately, that's worked out really nicely. I bought a house that's just a mile from the hospital, and so it's a a, a nice, lovely walk up the Seattle hills back and forth to work, which mm-hmm. gives me a lot of flexibility for sort of being able to go back and forth. Um, and and I like the fact that that especially since I don't do a ton of clinical time, that I'm able to find a lot of flexibility day to day in general. I walk my kids to the bus stop in the morning. I, I'm a soccer mom and spend a lot of the time mm-hmm. at soccer games and gymnastics and rock climbing and art and music and all the different things my three children are into mm-hmm. uh, and I, I, I think actually the hardest part of this to integrate with the rest of my life is travel, uh, which which is something I'm still still struggling with, but uh, try to minimize as much as I can.
0: Travel for fun or travel for work?
1: No, travel for work. Uh, It seems like a lot of the people who I work with are traveling every other week. And for a long time, I limited myself to four trips a year so that I wasn't away from the kids much, although now it's turned into about a trip a month.
0: I see. Okay. Well, yeah, so you sound uh, absurdly busy, but you still sound like you have a nice balance between uh, what's going on at work and what's going on at home.
1: Yeah, I think so, actually, and get out and uh, take advantage of the live music scene in Seattle sometimes, too, which is
0: always all right. fun. Awesome. So w- with all those hats that you wear, what is your current role in mentoring?
1: I actually think of mentoring as one of the, the key things that I do and is is – pretty integrated into into a little bit of my clinical work, but all of the research that I do. So I'm a primary mentor for a handful of fellows. I have a fourth-year pulmonary fellow to first-year pulmonary critical care fellows, uh, and then I'm still involved in mentorship when people go on to faculty. So I have an assistant professor in pulmonary, another in rheumatology, and then a handful of residents and medical students who I mentor as well. Um, and then I also kind of am involved in secondary or lesser roles to fellows, faculty in pulmonary anesthesia, trauma, emergency medicine, a lot of different divisions and departments, um, both here at UW and, and uh, actually all around the world, in in roles on mentoring committees and things like that. So, uh, wow. so yeah, so definitely active with individuals. And then I'm a part of our steering committee for our T32 for the University of Washington Pulmonary Critical Care. Uh, Training track, uh, which I enjoy as well.
0: Oh great. And so all these mentorship relationships that you've developed, were they assigned formally or, or were were they a mix of formal and informal?
1: Yeah, so we don't really do the arranged marriage version here at UW. Yeah, it's the West okay. Coast. Uh we uh <laughs> yeah, we're think, we're a little more a, much a little more, more easy than that we're uh, we love matches well that's probably the wrong term um mm-hmm. but uh, but yeah the the I approach guess. that we take is is uh early in the pulmonary fellowship we give the fellows the opportunity, actually more than the opportunity, the expectation of uh, meeting with a lot of the different faculty and talking about what people are working on, getting a chance to talk with the fellow, the you know, the current other fellows uh, to get a sense for which which faculty may be a good fit for mentorship. Mm-hmm. And so we have them do this first, uh, what we call these two mini-sabbaticals, which they have during fellowship. And so in the fall, the, the first-year fellows meet with all of us, and then in the spring, they're sort of deciding who's going to be their primary mentor and who's going to be on their Mentorship committee, uh, so it's um, it's pretty structured, but the choice of the mentors themselves are up to the mentor and the mentee.
0: Okay, yeah, so it sounds like kind of more of a a dating scenario than than an arranged relationship. Which, yeah, that's exactly. Could right. be healthier. Who knows. <laughs>
1: Each culture yeah. has its own approach, right
0: exactly exactly yeah so so there's no formal mentoring program um throughout your institution at all i know at our, at my institution, something I've enjoyed is a uh, faculty mentoring program that that meets regularly and and you are assigned a mentor um and I found that to be somewhat rewarding but but that's um that's not the current structure that that your institution exists in now.
1: Well, I mean, I think our mentorship program is actually quite formal, just not the initial matching stage. I got you. Once we've we've been connected with our primary mentee, then uh, we have have these sort of detailed five-page mentorship contracts that talk about sort of what the expectations are of mentor Mm -hmm. and mentee, and we sign these and bring these to meetings, turn them into the division. We uh, have a formal mentorship committee, uh, which the lead mentor chairs, and uh, we have sort of pre-specified times for meetings and expectations and all these metrics of how we're doing both as mentors and how our mentees' output is. Um, So I actually think it's become quite structured here.
0: Oh, good, good. And what do you think are the most important parts of the contract? Like, what do you think are the most important things that you can set out beforehand that, that helps the relationship be positive?
1: Yeah, I, I think it really helps to just outline and speak out your expectations at the beginning of these relationships for for my mentees to hear from me. For example, if you send me a manuscript three minutes before we meet, or actually even three hours, maybe even three days, uh, right, I may not have right. enough time to to give it the attention that you want. Um, of just as an yeah. example, I, I, I think that. Uh, it, it allows an early opportunity to uh, lay out the expectations. For example, if we're going to write a paper together, these are the roles that I want my mentee to do. These are the pieces that I'll do. This is how often I want to see it, and this is how often I don't want to see it, <laughs> those, <laughs> those sorts of pieces. Great, um, great. I, I think expectations about frequency of meeting, um, I, I tend to meet weekly with my primary mentees uh, with, of course, a little bit of flexibility around clinical time and, and other obligations, but, but we're, we're pretty good about them, and I find that very useful.
0: Yeah, weekly is great. those are some of
1: the aspects.
0: Yeah, that's impressive to meet weekly. I commend you for that. That, That's great. (laughs) Um, Well, it
1: doesn't always work.
0: Yeah, sure, but, you know, setting out uh, good expectations beforehand is is great, though. Um, Thinking about any experiences you've had in particular with mentees that have worked well, what what do you think were the basis of those positive relationships besides setting expectations beforehand? (laughs)
1: Yeah, well, you know, I think one of the, one of the parts of my mentoring philosophy, and that's another thing that we'll talk about at the time of the contract, is just having the opportunity for me to say, these are, this, this is my style as a mentor. This is what I'm good at, this is what I'll stress, and this is what I'm not so good at. Okay. Um and so my mentees certainly hear from me that I, I expect them to bring the passion, and I hope the ideas into the, into their work, that, that they're advanced enough that they shouldn't be coming to me for just a handout of Here's a project that's ready to go that you can just crank out, but instead, I want them to develop as their own principal investigators, essentially. Uh, and so I, I think I, I tend to attract mentees who are excited by that approach, um, even if it may be a little harder out of the gates. And, and so t- two mentees um, that I, I think this has worked really nicely with, one uh, was somebody who came to me who wanted to work in an area completely distinct from my own and d- distinct from really everybody else at UW is interested in uh, translational and outcomes work in pulmonary hypertension, which is uh, pretty pretty far from my, my ARDS cohorts. Um, but but what worked well is that I, I we were able to uh, establish very early what I could bring, uh, where were the where was the methodologic strength, but where where I needed help and where he'd have to make a broader group, and so I was able to connect him with some distance mentors at different institutions, and then set up an approach where they could really truly be involved and have some ownership in in his mentorship as things went along. Um, And so I kind of facilitated these relationships and and through it ended up learning a lot of stuff I would have never known otherwise Um, uh, and I think created a stronger group than we would have been able to um, just by connecting him with one person who was interested in what he did. Uh, I also think that it worked well because of his unique strengths. He's a great team builder and collaborator and has a ton of his own initiatives, so, so that worked well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but but another experience I think that was quite different is, is one of my, uh, another pulmonary critical care mentee, I started working with her when she was a resident and she was very interested in the, the sort of broader work that I was doing but was particularly interested in studying ICU mobility. And since I met her so so early in her career, we were able to to march out what a ten year plan might look like from residency, uh, chief residency, and through a pulmonary fellowship. And we were able to do this really early. Uh, We were lucky that it all worked out. But we also created projects that if she did her fellowship elsewhere, that she could take with her. Mm -hmm. Um, And it it led to sort of creating an entire program. So you know, as a resident, she did a retrospective chart review and started out a local uh, survey of of uh, docs and nurses and physical therapists about, about you know, mobility practice and barriers. She then was able to do a statewide survey of uh, perceived utilization of mobility and then as sort of her final fellowship project we did a prospective uh point prevalence survey uh of mobility practices at nineteen hospitals across the country building on Ardsnet infrastructure and it was wow. just this it, it worked out so nicely. <laughs> Although I think it was amazing. it was unusual. It was unusual that she stayed with me for so long and that we were able to kind of see where we wanted to go from the beginning. But um but I think it's a great example of how this can work when um when you sort of share a vision.
0: Yeah, that is amazing. I'm I'm very impressed with a 10-year plan. I think something that can be challenging probably is when mentees come to you and they don't know exactly what they want to do in 10 years or even, you know, one year. Do you find that's common and how do you how do you handle that?
1: Oh, I think that's I think that's the norm, actually, right? And, right, and, and right, particularly right. At, at the resident level. Uh, and I, I think sure. I set a pretty high bar for my residents, and and consider it a success when somebody spends a year or two with me and decides they don't want to do research because I've actually given them a realistic taste of what it's like. Um, I, I think that's <laughs> just as important <laughs> as sure, somebody sure. totally, you know, catching the bug and wanting to run with it. And, uh, right. and and I've certainly seen it both ways. I had one of one of my current mentees actually when she came came to me as a resident, she said, oh, they tell me to get into pulmonary fellowship, I have to do research, so here I am. Right. And right. I said, well, so this isn't going to be any fun. <laughs> um, and for so anyway. I, I, challenged, I challenged her to come up with a, a clinical cr- question that drove her crazy. And it was a, for, uh, for her, it was around fluid management in the ICU and the way that we have such haphazard decision-making. And so I pressed her to create a project that would help her start answering that question, and she fell in love with it and wow. and you know now 6 years later is still uh, still doing that line of work and and quite successfully uh but certainly I've had others where exactly the opposite happened where either they couldn't even come up with a single question they were interested in following through um or did it found it did a great job worked really hard but didn't think that the process was a, was a great fit for their life or or their own uh sort of academic needs Um, So Mm -hmm. so I think, again, as long as the lines of communication are open and people are honest, then uh, even if we part ways at the end, it can be uh, pretty amicable.
0: Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, they all sound like very rewarding experiences. One thing you mentioned that I liked is just about learning from the mentees, and I found that already early in my career, where you kind of begrudgingly get involved in a project you don't know much about. And then you, know, you kind of get swept up in it, and you learn so much just from the enthusiasm of the mentee and being exposed to the new material.
1: Oh, I, I I've think that's that as so... Well. I think that's so true, and, and in fact, now when I meet with new mentees, I try to think about what are what are some of the areas that will create them a niche that is unique from mine, um, and will bring a new skill set that my team doesn't currently have. So, like two of the first-year fellows who, who I'll be working with for the next couple of years or more, maybe uh, I'm pushing towards implementation science. I feel like that's a, a skill set and a, a discipline that's that's really on the rise. Um, you know, I think some of the behavioral economic decision-making theory uh, is another, that just thinking about looking at the field and saying, okay, if a mentee gets excited about this, then they're going to bring this huge new uh, new body of, of work and science into my group and we'll make both of us stronger.
0: Right, exactly, exactly. Very good. I, I want to ask you very briefly about um, particularly, specifically the sessions that you have There's this concept in the corporate world called managing up, where a mentee will kind of take ownership of the relationship. How much do you expect the mentees themselves to dictate what you end up talking about and where the relationship goes? And, for example, do you have people send you agendas before you meet with them on a regular basis?
1: Uh, I do, and I I think how much I expect them to manage up – obviously varies by their level of training and if if this is somebody mm-hmm. who's who's very young then you know the medical students or college students or or even residents who are trying to fit this around another schedule and, and who aren't quite as sophisticated, I, I'll do more of that, but certainly by the fellow level and 100% by the faculty level, I mean, this is their career that I'm mentoring them in. It's it's their grown-up, they're adult learners, and, and this will only be successful if the initiative and the drive is their own, um, so I, I totally take this to heart um, and and absolutely expect them to set what we're going to talk about at the meetings. Mm-hmm. And I, I love getting the agendas ahead of time. I'll also ask them to detail what the action items were that I was supposed to complete by the time of the meeting, so that yeah, uh, so I try to follow fire. up on those. And, and same thing for for them, so that we we all kind of keep our metrics in mind.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excellent, great. So thank you for talking to me. I guess my last question would just be, as someone who's so well regarded as a mentor, what what general advice would you have for? People starting out in academic medicine or just medicine in general, in order to um, enjoy their careers and, and stay happy with with their jobs.
1: I I think it all goes back to to finding your passion and make sure that that's that's where you can focus and where the time that you're really spending um, is enriched, right? Um, you know, and and for for me certainly it's I I love this process of helping mentees find what their way is going to be and what it is that really gets them excited within medicine and uh and it's been fun recognizing it can be all sorts of different things. I mean some people getting excited about an academic um version of like administration and QI and how you make a health system better um that that can be incredibly exciting as can you know figuring out how a single channel works in a in a cell membrane. Um so I, but I I think I think that is one. I think the other is is reminding people that we te- we tend to have a bunch of really great choices and really great options and that when decision making is is tricky about where we're going with our careers to step back and recognize that all the choices are good uh mm-hmm. and and at I the like end that. of the day that if we can if we can hold a little bit more loosely and and recognize that uh right. that that things tend to work out the way they ought to um
0: Without uh, that, sounding like that, too much nice. of a hippie. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. Things will turn out okay.
1: <laughs> it's like one of my favorite phrases when I attend on palliative care. There's a social <laughs> worker who I work with who is just so wonderful, and and she always reminds our families to be gentle with themselves. Mm. Uh, and I, I think that is that is true for us as well. Yeah, that's
0: great. All right, Thank you so much for taking time to talk to me.
1: Right, you're so welcome. This was great fun.
0: This has been a discussion about the art of mentoring with Terry Huff. Thank you for listening.